Today we want to specifically look at God's promise, the promise of God to his people. And so in Exodus chapter 1, if you're there, uh, I want to just let you know that Exodus, the Exodus story, we might say, begins when Genesis ends, not just in your Bible, but just kind of this idea of all that happened in the beginning and we're taken through in the book of Genesis, Noah's Ark, and we see the story of Joseph, and that's very relevant to, to the book of Exodus, to see what happens in the life of Joseph. The first thing I want you to know, and this is in your outline, is that God had promised Abraham in the book of Genesis. He had promised Abraham that he would make his descendants into a great nation, and they multiplied and they flourished just as God had said. And so you can read quite a few scriptural references here to help you see that covenant, that promise that God made. You can look back in Genesis. I'm going to just turn back a little bit as we build on this um, thought for today in Exodus chapter 1. But when you look in Genesis chapter 12, the Bible says in the first three verses, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and in him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So there's the promise from the Lord to Abraham and Brandon and Ernie as they share with us today God's call. And it does cost us something, Ernie. And for all of us, it costs us something to follow the Lord. But you can see here as even Brandon and Ernie just said yes. And their, their children, uh, Silas and Ethan, said yes to the call of God even to go to a, a place that's not readily receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ on a regular basis and here the call of Abram here uh, Abraham as we know him here he's being sent from his father's house to the place that the Lord would send him and he says I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make of your descendants a mighty nation a mighty people we would call that the people of God it's the nation of Israel and so as you read there you can read on in Genesis chapter 35 verse 11 and 12 you'll see where the Bible tells us that God said to him to Abraham I am God almighty be fruitful and multiply a nation and a company of nations shall come from you and kings shall come from your own body the land that I give to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you and I will give the land to your offspring after you and thus, uh, you can read in Genesis 47, 27, Thus Israel, talking about Jacob, settled in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they gained possession in it, and were fruitful and multiplied. Just giving this picture that you have Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and you, you have all of these descendants of Abraham that do exactly what God said. They, they're fruitful, they multiply, and God blesses them, they gain possessions, and they're just blessed incredibly. In fact, God multiplied a, a small family of 12 sons and a daughter into a nation that would eventually conquer Canaan, Jacob's sons. They, they were blessed. Stephen actually referred to uh, the events surrounding the exodus of God's people in the book of Acts. As you look there, if, if you want to just flip over into the New Testament, Acts chapter 7, you'll read where Stephen speaks a lot of what happened with God's people in the book of Exodus. And one of the things he refers to here in Acts chapter 7, verse 17, he says, As the time of the promise drew near, 
which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt. So, so they continue to increase. They in, continue to multiply. Of course, one of my favorite stories is the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. Many of you might relate to the story of Joseph. I don't have time to go into all of it and unpack it, but what we see is Joseph uh, is given favor in Egypt, right? The Pharaoh blesses him, gives him favor, makes him second in command. And all of this is because Joseph interprets a dream. And the dream was telling them of famine that was coming. And so God gave Joseph great wisdom of how to prepare for what was to come. And in a very real sense, the Lord used Joseph not only to save Egypt, the people of Egypt, but really the world at that time. And so God used Joseph and he had favor with with the Pharaoh and and because Joseph had favor all of the people of God the descendants began to be blessed and have favor with the Pharaoh Exodus chapter 1 then in verse 7 that's our our text or our anchor verses for today is that Exodus chapter 1 and verse 7 you'll see where the Bible says the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly they multiplied and they grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them so here we just see a continuation, this promise. They were blessed. The people grew. The people of Israel grew and they were being blessed, but there was a problem. The, the Pharaoh that Joseph had favor with had passed, and now a different Pharaoh comes on the scene, and he gets concerned about all the people of God, this, this nation of Israel, this people of Israel. He gets concerned that they're growing too much. There's too many of them. And the Bible says... In verse 8 of Exodus chapter 1, the Bible says, um, well, it tells us in verse 6 that Joseph died, and then they continued to multiply. But look at verse 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And because he did not know Joseph, he was not in favor. The people of Israel were not in favor as they were with the former Pharaoh. And so what happens is, they, be, they continue to multiply, but the Bible tells us that after Joseph died, really the people began to fall out of favor. They were afraid, yes, and, and they were afraid of this growing number of God's people. And they were even afraid this Pharaoh began to be afraid that they may partner with their enemies and fight against them at some point. And so what happens? We see in verse 8, the Bible says that this new king... Uh, did not know Joseph, verse 9, and he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many, they're too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. This is verse 10. And if war breaks out, they'll join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. You can read in verse 11 and 12, then what they do is they set taskmasters over them. They began to oppress God's people. This group that's been so blessed and multiplying and being fruitful and flourishing, now they're beginning to be oppressed by the Pharaoh, the new Pharaoh, and the people of Egypt. I will tell you this, number two in your outline, and I'll be unpacking these and building on these as we go, but I want you to know something here. Please don't miss this point number two in your outline. As the Bible says, the Pharaoh and the people of Egypt began to deal shrewdly with with God's people. They begin to oppress them. What we see is the Pharaoh tries to kill the spirit of God's people before he begins to murder their children or trying to murder their children. 
Now that, that's going on down here just a little bit in Exodus chapter 1 as, we, as we'll see where, where the new Pharaoh tries to kill the male children that are born into God's people, the people of Israel, this great nation that has come from the descendants of Abraham. What we see here is the Pharaoh tries to break their spirit or to kill their spirit before he ever tries to murder their children. You see that there as they begin to deal shrewdly with the people of God. He's afraid that if they joined their enemies, there would be too many of them. And, and so he begins to make their lives as miserable as he can. He makes it difficult for them to find joy in living. He tries to make it hard for them to find peace in their day. I don't know about you, but I, I, I know that I have a real enemy of my soul. You have an enemy of your soul. We call him the devil. We call him Satan. That's what the Bible would call him. And I want you to know that he is continually attacking the people of God. He's trying to take our joy. He tries to rob us of our peace. He tries to steal from us our contentment in the Lord. He tries to take from us any way that he can. I want you to know that God continues to protect his people as we see in Exodus chapter 1 and throughout the Exodus. You need not be afraid. You see, the enemy wants us to be afraid uh, that, that the enemy is against us and he tries to come against us to, to break the spirit of God's people before he ever tries to murder their children. Now, I think there's a lot here that I can't get into this morning, but I will tell you this. If I'm observing anything in our nation today, and even in our world, I am observing uh, national leaders. I am observing world leaders. I'm observing organizations, even churches, who are trying to break the spirit of God's people right now. They're trying to break the spirit of God's people, trying to stand against the people of God, trying to make God's people feel as though you are the minority and that all darkness is against you and, and darkness is against us, but that the world is full of darkness and that everything is coming against us. But I want you to know we serve a risen Savior. He's still alive and he's in the world today. Now, the, in Exodus, the people of God did not have this, this uh, benefit that we have today of the of the sacrificial death of Jesus and the glorious resurrection and his Holy Spirit's power dwelling within his people as he does for us today. But they had the promise from God. They had the promise that God's people would be blessed and they would be fruitful and they would flourish and they would multiply. And friends, even when oppression came their way, nothing the enemy could do could stop God's promise. Uh, maybe you missed that. I said nothing that the Pharaoh or Egypt could do to God's people could stop the promise of God from moving forward. So you need to know that. We need to write that down. We need to know that the enemy may come against us. He may try to take from us our joy and steal from us our peace, but he cannot take from us our promise in the Lord. He'll never be able to do that. Throughout history, number three in your outline, throughout history, God's children have been blessed in the face of affliction and persecution and threats and death even. How? This is done as courageous men and women choose to honor God. And this is where I want to pray for our young people here in just a moment. So we might get ready to bring our children in here in just a moment. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 15 through 22, I will be unpacking this specifically a little more next week, but I want you to know what happens is the Pharaoh says to two midwives, he says, I want you to kill every male child that's born. 
into, into uh, to the Israelites. I want you to kill every male child that's born. There's a powerful passage here as we read where these two midwives feared God more than they did the Pharaoh. To, to, these two midwives feared the Lord their God more than they feared what could happen to them. So the, the people of Israel continue to grow and multiply. But, but it's, it's because of the courage, we might say, of these two ladies who stood against even the powers that be at that time. You read that in verse 17. They feared God. The midwives feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them. They stood for what was right, fearing the Lord more than fearing men. And because of that, God blessed them. That's a whole other sermon. But I will tell you this, the Pharaoh could not believe that the, the children of Israel were still growing and flourishing as they were and all of these things. And so then he makes a, a, a deal with all of the people of Egypt that all of them should be out to kill the male children. And you can read that in the uh, last verse there, verse 22. Then Pharaoh commanded all of his people, all of them, every son that is born to the Hebrews you will cast into the Nile. He wanted them all to die. He wanted them to die. Why? To stop God's movement. He wanted them to stop uh, multiplying. He wanted them to stop being blessed and, and seeing all the blessing of the multiplication and flourishing of God's children. Can I tell you um, that today there's an onslaught against our youth and children. I hope you're aware of that. We, we, it's an onslaught from the enemy. It's an attack from the enemy, and we need to be praying for our young people. We need to be praying for our teenagers. We need to be praying for our young men and women, our, our folks that are in the colleges today. I, I find it interesting every time I think about this, actually. You know, when you think about Jesus when he came to the earth, you know, Herod at that time, you read this in Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. At that time, Herod, the, the Herod tried to kill all the male children up to two years old. After Jesus was born and the, and the wise men visit with him and all of that, he tries to kill all of these male children as well. That's Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. That's not in your outline. But I want to say this. It seems that whenever God is doing something special in delivering his people, there's a push to kill our children. I want you to hear that. I want you to think about where we're at in our country and even around the world today. Whenever God is doing something special in, in, a, in his plan to deliver his people... There is a push to kill our children. The, the World Health Organization reports right now that roughly 73 million abortions occur worldwide each year. I want you to think about that. 73 million worldwide abortions each year. That's amazing. Of course, they go on to say, although abortions are not counted among the world's total numbers of deaths per day, which I find interesting, Abortions are not counted among the world's total numbers of deaths per day. They obviously reduce the total number of births per day. How brilliant are we? It reduces the number of births because we're killing our children in countless numbers. And if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you've ever had a, an abortion or you've been part of that, God is redemptive. God is forgiving. We are as well. We love you. We bless you as you've repented to the Lord and turned to the Lord. But as a church and as God's people, we must also stand against the killing of children in today's culture. Just as, just as these midwives had to stand against it and do what was right. And, and uh, others throughout Scripture and history have had to stand for what was right. 
You know, in the midst of all of this, God's people still grew strong and prospered. What we learn, and please write this down, something in your outline here. What we learn is that nothing the Egyptians could do would defeat God's purpose for his people. Nothing the Egyptians, nothing we might even say the enemy, because we know they become more of an enemy to God's people. Nothing that the Egyptians could do to, could defeat God's purpose for his people. And friend, I believe that's still true today because we have the God's promise over us as his people still today. Nothing can stop God's plans and purposes for his people. Nothing and no one. And I want you to be assured of that.